The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. We come to you uh, less than 24 hours after Memphis got its 2022-23 season off to a roaring start. Uh, A 76-67 win at Vanderbilt that felt a lot more lopsided than that final score would suggest. The Tigers controlled the game from start to finish. An impressive debut for Penny Hardaway's new look Tigers. So we're going to dive into that, what we saw, what we, you know, what bodes well for the future, um, the rotation, the the new how the new guys did, all that uh, in today's or in this week's episode. We've also, uh, since we last joined, we've got some huge recruiting news on the Memphis basketball front. Penny Hardaway uh, dipping his toe back into the five-star market and uh, coming out with uh, a Mikey Williams, a J.J. Taylor, um, a David Tumac. Um, I guess not all those guys are five-stars, but it looks like Penny Hardaway and Memphis are putting together another monster recruiting class, so we'll get Jason's analysis on all of that, what it means for the future, what it means for next year's team, what it means just right now in terms of Penny's recruiting philosophy. And then uh, we'll wrap things up by getting you ready for uh, next week's game against St. Louis, another tough road test for this Memphis Tigers basketball team. But Jason, let's start with last night. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon uh, in the aftermath of that win at Vanderbilt. I guess let's start here. What was the most, what was the thing in that game that most impressed you about this Memphis basketball team? Whether, whether you were expecting it going into the season or it was something that was surprising, what was most impressive to you about that performance? Oh man. Um, just it's, I mean, this isn't, composure i mean like the the way composure and um cohesiveness um it it just you and i sat next to each other at the game and 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 like i just was so in the first five minutes it was it was to me palpable um vividly palpable how different this team was playing um as compared to the past few seasons. Um, I mean, and, and we don't need to really, you know, anybody listening to this is just like you and me, and they've probably watched a lot of Memphis basketball over the past two or three seasons. And so they know, you know what I mean? Like they know about the turnovers, they know about um, the bad losses. They know about the games where they were like trailing at halftime or the games where, like, like for instance, Tulsa last season where they were, um, you know, losing at halftime up at Tulsa and ended up having to, you know, pull off this like Herculean comeback just to right the ship, just to keep the, 
the train from completely going off the rails. Um, you know, like those were the sorts of things you, you just, you never, it was like, you never knew what to expect. Um, going from game to game, uh, last season and then seasons before that. But like this just felt different. It looked different. Um, it, it, it feels like, and I know it's just one game, but it feels like you kind of, you're able to know what, you know, you, you, you get a better sense of what to expect from just a night, a night to night basis. Um, yeah. And I did, I did, I think that that is, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's year five of the Penny Hardaway era. Let's not discount the, the coaching staff that he's put together with Frank Haith and Faraji Phillips and, um, and Andy Borman, uh, also, uh, an assistant now, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, downplay their, uh, role in all of this, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, like that's, that's what I walked out of there feeling like was just like, you know, this, this is like a much more stable, uh, sustainable formula for success. A lot, you know, you may not get like the highest of the highs that we ever saw, uh, from, from the past few years, but, but it certainly feels like you're not going to ever get the lowest of the lows. Yeah. I thought the thing that impressed me the most, it sort of goes along with what you're saying. It felt like this team already has an identity that it has embraced and it has a bunch of players in roles that they've already embraced. And that feels like just such a stark difference from previous years where it felt like, you know, like the, especially the past two years where the first 15 games felt like that it they needed the first half of the season to figure out who they were and what each player needed to be as a, you know, in terms of their role. And what I saw last night was a team with a bunch of guys who knew exactly what their role was already and who knew what their identity as a team was already. Um, and I think that bodes really well for the rest of the year. Like to me, what was the thing the thing that was really impressive is they struggled from three point range like we expected they would they were 5 of 19 from three point range still shot nearly 51% from the field hit 17 of 19 free throws had a positive assist to turnover ratio play you know played a second half in which vanderbilt shot out of its mind hit 10 mm-hmm. three pointers in the second half and yet never got closer than eight points. That's pretty remarkable when you think about it and speaks to, I think, again, a team that knows who it is already. And I think that is a great sign for the rest of the year. I, I you know, I don't know if this is one of the elite teams in college basketball, but the brand of basketball they played last night against Vanderbilt feels like one is very repeatable. Nothing they did in that game, you went, you came away going, well, that was kind of an anomaly. It's not like they hit, they didn't hit 15 three-pointers or anything. Like, everything they did in that game, you went, well, that's like kind of what this team is going to be this year probably. Um, and and two, I think that type, that team that played against Vanderbilt, that team can win a lot of games this season. I know the non-conference is tough, but I'm trying not to get too excited 
you know, off of one game against a team picked 12th in the SEC this year. But I just came away very impressed with their composure, with how they shared the ball, with with sort of how they had embraced their identity with the defense, with how they controlled the paint. Um, just a, I thought a really impressive debut for this group. Um, and I, I, I'm looking forward to watching. Like they, it just was felt like a style and brand of basketball that was a lot of fun to watch. It wasn't like the prettiest all the time, but I don't know. It just felt like a group of guys who knew who they were, were playing hard, were sharing the ball. And to me, if you got that and then you add in the fact that you've got two guys like Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams who can go win you the game or who can who can stop surges by themselves, you know, I think I, I think this has the makings of a team that's going to be, you know, a really fun watch and just a team that could be very dangerous, could, you know, be you know obviously be a tournament team and you know maybe if things come together maybe something more than that yeah um much better for the blood pressure i would say um you know for the fans uh it just like i keep going back to that it's like it's like there was it was such an emotional roller coaster um i would imagine for fans the way just the you mentioned the brand of basketball like it, it was just such a uh, a, a yo-yo um even within just one game sometimes even just within a half you know you'd be playing out of your mind in in some of these games and then and then you fall off a cliff you know six minutes later eight minutes later it's it looks like a completely different uh it looks it's like where did this where did this come from but that was not that last night at all I mean, for the full 40 minutes, yeah, I mean, there were some struggles here and there. They turned the ball over 13 times. They didn't shoot it great from three. But, like, that, you know, they overcame that. They rebounded it really well. They forced 13 turnovers themselves. Um, and, and you know, I, I said this to you last night. It was like when the game was sort of in the balance or when it was like when there was still time left for – Vanderbilt even if they had gotten hot for them to get back you know like to swing swing things back their way like almost every single time in that pivotal uh stretch of time every time Vanderbilt did something where the crowd got into it like Memphis just calmly and uh, coolly uh went back down to the other end of the floor and got a bucket and you know kept the momentum from ever getting away from them and you know, there were a few stretches where they were able to string, they were able to build, you know, a nice little run of their own, like a, you know, a 5-0 run here, a 7-0 run there, a 6-0 run here. And, and then you look up and it's like, they're up 19 at one point. And it was just like, this is, this is a serious butt kicking. Now Vanderbilt got their act together. They started shooting threes and uh, making them. But, you know, even that wasn't like the worst thing in the world because as Penny Hardaway pointed out in the post game, they were at least contested. You know, it wasn't like uh, guys were slacking off and, and like, you know, missing assignments and things like that. It was just you got to credit Vandy in that scenario. And yet as 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 well as they as well as Vanderbilt was shooting the ball in the second half. As you said, they never got closer than eight points. So, and that, and that's I think that's a sign of a good team. And uh, you know, 
I, I, I'm kind of like you. It, 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 again, I said it before. It's, it's, it feels like a sustainable formula for real success, and that's uh, something to be excited about. Yeah, and I thought a key moment. You know, the game was not that close ultimately. Like Memphis really controlled the whole thing, but Vanderbilt did get it down to eight with like six minutes to go. And I thought it was important in that moment to to the point I made earlier of these guys seem to know their roles. Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams knew in that moment. All right, time to time to steady this ship and and close this sucker out. And, and by not my only, count, sorry, not go only, ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but not only did they know that it was time for them to step up, but everybody else knew too. Yeah, that's no ex- exactly. Like, and they went on to score or assist on 16 of Memphis's next 18 points uh, yeah. before getting taken out of the game. So. Um, Really a, an impressive showing. You know, I thought it was interesting. Penny only played nine guys the entire game. Really only went with eight or really seven in the second half. Jaden Hardaway played minimally, and KO didn't play at all in the second half. Um, Jonathan Lawson did not play. He was he, he appeared to be the odd man out of the rotation. Um, but I thought it was really effective. I mean, you had essentially Elijah McCadden as your – Perimeter guy off the bench, Chandler Lawson as your big off the bench, um, mixing in Jaden and KO. Um, it just all seemed really comfortable. And mm-hmm. it all seemed like a team that was really like kind of, even though it has all these new faces, in a weird way, it felt like they almost were picking up where they left off at the end of last year um, with how they played and sort of how comfortable, whether it was Penny or, you know, or the team looked out there. Um, And, you know, we'll see. It was one game. You know, I think, I don't think, you know, nothing Vanderbilt showed me on Saturday, or Saturday, on Monday night, suggested they're, you know, anything other than like a bottom tier SEC team this year. But you know what? Early in the year last year, Memphis lost to a bottom tier SEC team on the road when they went and played Ole Miss. Um, and, and the fact that they went and not just beat Vanderbilt, but beat them convincingly, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's a really good sign, uh, moving forward and just, a, you know, a really good debut performance for this new look team. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I am, uh, in full agreement. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and now we turn our attention to St. Louis and see what they have. Yeah. We'll that's, break that's- down. We'll we'll break down St. Louis in a second. I think I it, it's going to be interesting. I think they're you know if you go by Ken Palm, they're they're a better team than Vanderbilt. But I want to first before we go any further. Memphis made a huge recruiting splash this weekend. It almost, it honestly, it was such a it was I don't know if such a big recruiting splash that it overshadowed the season opener, but it did kind of dull like to me. If they had lost last night, you wouldn't have felt this bad about it because of the recruiting weekend they just had. The fact that they won um, is kind of just a continuation of the momentum the program has right now, whether it's you know la- ending last year with the NCAA tournament berth and an NCAA tournament win or this offseason when you land the number one transfer in the portal and Kendrick Davis or um, or then this fall the favorable IARP ruling. And then now this past weekend, you land five-star Mikey Williams. One of the biggest, aside, I think from Bronny James, the biggest 
kind of high school recruit in terms of inst- you know popularity, not in terms of ranking at this point, but popularity. He's got millions of Instagram followers. He's got a Puma shoe deal. And oh, by the way, he happens to be a five-star recruit still, uh, even though he's not quite as highly regarded as he was a few years ago as a player. You you land his high school teammate, J.J. Taylor, another former top recruit in his class who's now just a high-end four-star. Um, and then you get David Tumek, another three-star recruit. And now all of a sudden, after putting together a team that might be the oldest team in the country for this season, well, it looks like Penny Hardaway is about to land another top five recruiting class of incoming freshmen uh, for next year. Um, Jason, you were in the thick of this these stories. Let's start with Mikey Williams, since he's the biggest name here. And it happened all of a sudden. Um, can you take people through, give them some insight into one, how Mikey Williams to Memphis came to be, as best you can tell it, and two, sort of what the plan is for him, what what this what this could look like once he arrives on campus next year. Yeah, so it was kind of like um, a yes and no deal in terms of uh, whether it came together quickly or not. Um, yeah, I talked to his father, uh, Malon Williams, over the weekend, and uh, he, the way he sort of explained it to me was uh, just in the course of, um, you know, routine recruiting, he and Mikey Williams and and Penny had um, developed at least an acquaintance. They had had become somewhat acquainted, um, you know, just in the course of two people being in the basketball world. And, you know, both sides seemed to uh, respect uh, the other and enjoy the other, uh, you know, in, in their interactions and things like that. And then, you know, uh, I don't, I, I don't think it was anything more than that, honestly, for the last, you know, few years, um, just because for so long, nobody knew what Mikey Williams was going to do. Um, you know, his recruitment has been very, very quiet and, uh, you know, unconventional for a top five, I mean, a top, like a five-star, uh, recruit. Um, you know, so it, it just hasn't sort of been the normal, uh, it hasn't played out normally, um, relative to other, you know, high profile five stars. Um, and then, uh, Penny, uh, had a zoom call with Mikey Williams and JJ Taylor, um, last week, I was told it was, uh, last Wednesday. Um, so almost a week ago and, uh, they were on a plane by Friday for an unofficial visit to Memphis, Mikey Williams and JJ Taylor. And by Saturday they were committed. So yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, uh, it definitely came together very, very quickly. Um, and, uh, and now here we are, uh, with, with Mikey Williams and, and JJ Taylor. I mean, you know, Everybody I've talked to about Mikey Williams says that, you know, obviously there's the brand and there's the, uh, the, the celebrity status and, and the fame and the, 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 the influencer, uh, aspect of it, but he's still a pretty good basketball player. You know, like he's not a five-star for nothing. He's, he's extremely explosive and athletic and, um, and, and can really, really score the basketball. And so, uh, I, I, I do believe that, um, he's going to be able to help 
Memphis uh, next season. What is really interesting to me, especially in light of what we were just talking about, how good this team looked in its season opener with a bunch of old dudes, veterans, transfers, all that stuff. It does feel kind of, I don't know if weird's the right word, but like ultimately before the season has even really started, Penny is making it clear the way he built the roster for this season is not going to be the way he builds the roster next season. Um, And maybe that was just inevitable. Like it's too hard to go get a team where, you know, it's unrealistic to think you're going to find a team like last night, all nine players who played for Memphis were technically classified as seniors. Like that doesn't happen very often. And, And so maybe Penny's thinking like, maybe that's just impossible to build the team the way he did Maybe it's not feasible, I should say, to to every year build the team like he did this year. But it is interesting. The way he built the team this year was in reaction to having a bunch of high-profile freshmen, specifically a freshman named Imani Bates, who came with a considerable amount of hype, a considerable amount of attention off the court, so to speak. Um, and the egos just didn't blend. And so, and it does feel like he's going to go, he's going to give it another go with Mikey Williams and, and, and maybe Bronny James and all that. Um, and I, I, I'm not against it. I, I'm really, I, I think, you know, if you can get a player like Mikey Williams, you don't say no to that, even if there's some baggage and some, you know, some finessing you might have to do along the way because, He's a guy with whether it's, you know, whatever, you know, because he's just not your ordinary recruit. Let's put it that way. Um, I still think 10 times out of 10 when, you know, ultimately, you, you know, you need talent. And um, it sounds like it looks like Mikey Williams, though, he's not viewed as highly as he was a couple of years ago when he was considered, you know, one of the two or three best players in his class um, still has a lot of potential as a player. Um but I do find it interesting, um, the roster management, if you will. Um, I asked Penny about it last week, and he he even said to him, he even said it. He said the method to the madness, and he just said basically, he looks at guy, he just is looking for guys who he thinks can fit his system, um, who he likes, how they play, um, and he does it with the knowledge of, in today's climate, with the transfer portal, with NIL and all that, that you're going to have to build a new team every year. It's not going to be often that you have a roster like this year, where even though you've got all these new faces, you've got DeAndre Williams, who's in his third year in the program. You've got Lomax in his fifth year in the program. Dandridge in his fourth year in the program. Um, So um, it's just an interesting dynamic at play. And it, what what the what this recruiting hall this weekend showed me big picture is next year's roster is going to be different than the the makeup of next year's roster is just going to be different than last year's roster or than this year's roster I should say and the question will be will it be more like last season's roster where it was like a mixture of this high profile freshman class and some returning and some veterans will it be like 2019 where it felt like it was really just this very talented freshman class, a very young team 
Um, that's what's going to be interesting to see how this plays out from here. Now that Penny has kind of set the foundation of, you know, this top five, top 10 class. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, that's the thing that as I've been processing this is like, um, you know, cause Penny made Penny said over and over and over again that he just didn't want to, uh, that he, that he wanted to do things differently than he had, um, when he got Imani Bates and Jalen Duran, he wanted to go the transfer portal route. He wanted to get older because that's what the American conference, you know, is all about. Um, you know, and, and you gotta be able to, I mean, that was what his whole rant was about after the SMU game was about how young his team is and about how the other teams that they're going up against, uh, every night were, were much older and just how tough a position that is to be in. Um, you know, but I got to thinking about it and it's like, I don't know that, that he would be altering his course, altering his approach again, going back to the way things were, if he thought like, who's to say there's going to be another Kendrick Davis in the transfer portal, this, this, uh, next off season. I mean, you know, who's to, there, there's no, there's no guarantee um, as we sit here today, that he's going to be able to sit back and wait on, you know, the transfer portal to deliver uh, somebody like Kendrick Davis or somebody like DeAndre Williams the way it did to, you know, two or whatever, however many years ago it was now. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think he uh, sees an opportunity in front of him to uh, go out and not only, um, you know, sort of get himself and and the program back out into the, into the national onto the national recruiting stage. Um, but my gut tells me, man, like, I don't, I, I, my gut tells me that I'm not sure Penny is, uh, would, would be going after, uh, a Mikey Williams and, or a JJ Taylor, if he did not think that it would, um, help him in the recruitment of some other potentially high profile um, senior class of 2023 basketball players. You already mentioned. Uh, Are you talking about Bronny, J- Jason? I'm talking Do we about think they're going to get Bronny now to add to this haul? I would say that it's a lot. Nothing is for sure. Uh, but just, be, I mean, like anybody who pretends to know exactly what's going to happen with Bronny James is just kidding themselves because it's it's just unlike any other recruitment you know maybe ever um but i have a feeling that uh they're in a much better position today than they were this time last week interesting interesting well it should be fun all right real quick go through these three players just tell people what you what you've heard about them we we talked a little bit about Mikey Williams. What type of player do you do people think he'll be in college, theoretically? And then JJ Taylor and David Tumac. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, everybody I've talked to about Mikey just t- uh, talks about his scoring ability. Um, I've talked to some people who you know aren't quite as sold on his uh, like feel for the game. That that seems to be the biggest knock. Uh, on Mikey Williams right now. Um, but, you know, you talk to other people who've seen him play quite a bit and they say, you know, what a team, what a team that, that his, uh, the team player side of him um, surprised them 
sort of. And I don't know if that's just because they had this preconceived notion going in that based on everything they had heard and everything they had seen, they had this sort of idea that he wasn't going to be, uh, that he was going to be all out for himself and me, me, me and all that stuff. But, um, but I mean, like he's, he's a talented basketball player. Is he one and done that, that, that doesn't seem to be, uh, the consensus. Um, so, but he, he is the type of guy that, that is a difference maker, uh, potential difference maker. If you, you know, surround him with the right people and, um, and that sort of thing. And that's part of the reason why JJ Taylor is here. Um, six, eight wing, uh, talking about JJ Taylor. Um, you know, he's a guy who, who's been compared to Kevin Durant. Um, you know, he was, he was just within the last year or two, he was like top five, uh, ranked a top five ranked recruit in his class. He's fallen off of that quite a bit. I think two, four, seven sports composite has him like 63rd right around there in the country. Um, but you know, it just, it seems like that's, uh, the biggest knock on him is kind of his motor. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't tend to, it seems like, um, he doesn't tend to go like give it, you know, everything he's got, um, at all times. But when he does, when he, when he's, you know, when he's properly motivated and he's right, he's, he, he's a pretty special talent. Um, you know, really, really, uh, uh, explosive toward the basket and, uh, good in the mid range game and can rebound and, um, and, and he's long. The other thing about JJ uh, that seems to be, um, something that, that people think he's going to have to work on is, is his frame. He's pretty slight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that anybody thinks he's skinny necessarily, but like he's going to need to put on a little weight. Um, David Tubek is a six foot eight uh, very well put together, um, physical, from a physical standpoint, like he's, he's got a really, uh, solid frame. Um, like I mentioned, he's six foot eight. He shot 42% from, uh, three at dream city Christian last year. I talked to his coach, uh, at dream city Christian, who told me that last year at the Chick-fil-A, I think it's the Chick-fil-A classic in South Carolina, he hit seven, three pointers in a game there. And I looked it up there's only four players who've ever hit more in a game at, at that event. Uh, one of them is Jalen green. Um, and I forget who the other three are, but, uh, uh, that's some pretty, some pretty good company to be in, I would think. Um, so he's got a, he's got a really good outside shot for, especially for his size. He's, he's a legit six, eight. Um, he's only ranked a three star, but he's got offers from like Kansas, Arizona state. He's visited Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia tech. So like, doesn't there, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect in his in his uh, recruiting ranking and his like interest level, um, mm-hmm. but you know again yeah he can shoot the three but he's also uh, able to post up and and do some things that way so I think he'll be like kind of a wing maybe even like a small forward at the college level. Okay, interesting. All right, well the Tigers are back in action Tuesday next Tuesday. November 15th, they will travel to St. Louis. Um, An interesting matchup. St. Louis was picked to finish second in the Atlantic 10 in their preseason poll. Um, They've got two guys on the first team All-Atlantic 10 preseason team, Yuri Collins, their point guard, and then Javante Perkins, 
who was their best player two years ago, but did, did not play when Memphis beat St. Louis in Memphis last season. Um, they won 23 games last year. They're ranked number 35 in Ken Palm uh, after beating Murray State to open the season Monday night, 91-68. They have Evansville on Saturday before they play Memphis uh, uh, on the 15th. Um, right now, if you go over to Joe Lenardi's like, preseason bracketology, he's got St. Louis as a 10 seed. So that he's got them as an NCAA tournament team. So in theory, though Vanderbilt has the bigger name, is in the bigger conference, St. Louis will be a better team than Vanderbilt. Um, so that'll be an interesting second test for the Tigers as part of this you know, pretty difficult non-conference schedule that they're going to have to navigate. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they handled Murray State. Now, we should point out, this Murray State team is not the same Murray State team. That, uh, yeah, new coach. Uh, New yeah, new coach, whole new team, like completely new team, um, starting over from scratch. Not the same team that came in and beat Memphis last year uh, at FedEx Forum. But no, I mean, like St. Louis, like like I think all of their starters or four of their starters. I think I think it's four of their starters from a year ago are back. And then plus um, it's Javante Perkins, who was out last year. Yes. Yeah. Plus him. Uh, he scored 21 last night. Um, Gibson Jimerson scored 20, uh, looking at the thing, Javon Pickett scored 13 points and had 13 rebounds. And Francis Okoro also had 13 rebounds for St. Louis. So it's definitely, uh, you know, I mean, not, not just looking at the box score. Um, it's, you know, by all indications, it's, uh, going to be a much stiffer test for Memphis than it was, uh, on Monday night at Vanderbilt, but you know we talked about it at length uh, earlier in the in this podcast. Um, it feels like, and it is just one game, but it does feel like uh, you know Memphis is is you know certainly not out of any game on its schedule. Like there's no there's no reason. You, I don't think you, anybody's ever going to go into a single game this season thinking. Memphis just doesn't have a shot here. Um, so that's what experience does for you. So should be a, should be a fun one up in St. Louis Munz, You'll be up there chronicling the action for us, um, but we'll have tons of coverage uh, leading into that second game of the season over the next week. Make sure you're checking out commercialappeal.com. Uh, who knows? Given what Penny's been doing lately, might be enough. You know, you never know when the next recruiting win. Um, is on the horizon for Tiger basketball. So make sure you're following along with Jason. Make sure you maybe maybe consider, if you haven't yet, join his text group. All you got to do is be a subscriber to the Commercial Appeal. Um, if you go over to Jason's Twitter account, at Munsley, uh, you can find out how to become a member of his text group where he's dropping all sorts of nuggets that you can't get anywhere else. So, uh it's uh, and it's it's an exciting time to be a Memphis basketball fan. Great season debut. Looks like another great recruiting class and a great non-conference schedule coming up. So uh, can't wait to uh, see what happens next. Till next week, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much. And uh, maybe maybe you'll we'll have another good crowd in St. Louis, like Nashville.
Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.